0: Good to have you here today. We still have a number of people away doing things. I put some of the uh, updates on some of our people and what's going on. Uh, but latest update with Jackie and her her father. She would also said that apparently some of the folks in her family, her her husband back here, is um uh, is diagnosed with with something. Anyway, um, they are they do say COVID, but of course they call everything COVID anymore and. They don't really have a specific test for it to really know, but that's what they're they're calling it and um, so she has that over here <coughs> now. She was planning on coming back today, but I think she's staying up there for a little bit longer to help out with some of the things with her mom since her father went back into the into the hospital but um I know she appreciates all your prayers. Ray did too. he got his uh he actually was the one who gave me his pre report last week, and I knew there was one I was missing, and that was the one. Would you turn in your Bibles with me? We are going to be over in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4. This is the first parable that Jesus gave. It's recorded in three of the Gospels. I was surprised looking back that uh, I thought we had gone over this a lot more than we had. We've gone over it some. But um, I, I was thinking that there, there was more. Because this is, this is a really an important parable. And some weeks ago... This was coming up in me to get into and I thought, well, it just doesn't doesn't fit just yet, but now it does. I, I see where it fits in here now. So we're going to be over in Mark chapter four. Last week we were looking at actors. Before that we were looking at quacks and uh, fakes and things like that. People come up in your life and they just are not what they present themselves to be. Last week we took a one of the took a look at one of the greatest actors we saw in the Bible, and that was Herod. He was so good that he fooled the wise men into thinking that he was sincere. And he was not. Don't be surprised. Don't be down on yourself. If somebody in your life fooled you, they were an actor, and they pretended to be something that they weren't, or they pretended that they were on your side or there to help you, and they fooled you, don't be thinking, well, I'm just not that spiritual. I'm just not that smart. I'm just not that good. The wise men were taken in. They were ready to go back and tell Herod what they found, and God warned them in a dream. That's the only reason they didn't go back. So there are people like that around. We saw, though, that, that when Jesus was born, God provided the pronouncement that this was happening. He provided, uh, He gave the provision, and He gave protection. He did all those things. There are going to be actors who come into your life who will try and do these three things one, two, or all three and they will say great swelling words of what they will do, but they are an actor. Do not, do, don't, don't go after people because they offer you these things. God will provide these things when you need them. He can use people. But these actors, we saw that there's three things that will expose them. The first thing was events. There will be events that will happen. God will expose them through his spirit. And then other people will also act to help expose them. So that was last week. We're not going to redo all of that. But if you'll turn over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. Sometimes we look at this if we look at Matthew. Sometimes we look at it through Mark. They're very, very similar. Luke is, uh, has, gives us the least amount of detail on this parable. But Mark and Matthew are pretty close. We're going to deal with Ma- uh, Mark's gospel here today. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teachings, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now this is, everybody knows the parable of the sower. But he taught them many things during this teaching session. But we only have one. We'll have to wait to get to heaven to watch the videotape to see what happened on the rest of it. Because that's all all we got now. Well, there's some fun sounds. (laughs) So he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teachings, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirty fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that's what he taught to the, to the multitude. That's all they heard. It's the disciples who got the details on this. So he comes before the people, and he teaches them this, and he expects some of the people that heard to understand what he is teaching. But he doesn't explain it to them. But the disciples pull him aside later on and they ask him some questions. Now, when he says, listen, this is the, the Greek word, akouo, akouo, I'm sorry, a primary verb. It means to hear, it means to give audience of, come to your ears, or to understand. So he says to them, listen. When he starts us off, he said, look, listen, I want you to... Now, this word is used a few other times here, too. That's why we're getting into it. Listen. In other words, I don't want you just to hear with your ears. I want you to listen for the purpose of understanding. How many of you have friends that you speak to, and they are listening, but they're not hearing you? Um, I know the words that you say, but I'm not trying to understand them. I'm not trying to put them together so that I... I understand what it is you're communicating. Sometimes they're even thinking about what they're going to say back to you. But you gotta, you gotta listen. He says, listen. I need you to be, be attentive to this. I need you to give your attention to this. I need you to hear this with the purpose, with the idea that you will attain understanding of it. Because it may not come out to you right off the bat, but if you stay with it, you'll get it. So he says, listen. Now a sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. Now a sower is one who has a few things. Just from this parable, we're only taking from the parable here, a sower is one who has seed. If you're going to be a sower, you've got to have seed. If you're, if you're going to be a sower, not only do you need to have seed, but you need to have soil. There needs to be something to sow the seed into in order for you to be a sower. You may have a seed, but it doesn't mean that you're a sower. You may have soil, but it doesn't mean that you're a sower. You are a sower when you have seed, and you have soil, and the intention, or you could say purpose, to sow or distribute into the soil. A sower has intention. He doesn't do it by accident. It doesn't happen that just because I have seed and I'm on soil, that sowing happens. He has to deliberately sow. So the sower is going through it and the way that they would do this, they would reach into the bag and they would distribute and they would throw it on out there and they would uh, send that, that seed on, on out. Now, how many have ever planted grass seed? Anybody ever plant grass seed? How many know this does not work for grass seed? You can go out there and take grass seed and distribute all you want to. It just doesn't happen. But there apparently are some things that do grow this way. <laughs> we have a couple of spa uh, places that we were trying to take, uh, take care of. There was a place that we used to have the fence at in our backyard and, you know, there, there's bushes. You know, when you have a fence, you have bushes. And so we had the bushes there and uh, since the fence was removed, we had to take the bushes out. And so we had this, this, uh, place there and there's all these roots and things that were in there. So it was really a a chore. So we decided we had to take care of this. So we went out there. One afternoon, and it started with me digging out one of the po- the fence posts, which is still there. <clears throat> <laughs> I dug it all the way down and around, but I couldn't get it up out of the ground, so it's still there. But uh, I figured, well, I got to have to accomplish something here today, so I stretched on out and began to take over. Now, this it's, this area is only about twelve feet, maybe fifteen at the most, of of dirt, and so we had to get all the all the um, roots out. And so I had a pickaxe. And I was swinging that pickaxe and getting that, those roots out. You know, you're not just doing the dirt. You've got uh, roots, some of them, this, this thick. And just chopping through them and, and getting them out and then pulling them out and getting all those roots out. We filled them. My wife and I, we filled a how many, Three trash cans full? Three trash cans full in a strip of land about three feet by maybe at the most 15 feet. We pulled out three trash cans full of dirt, or I'm sorry, rocks and roots. And got all that stuff out of there. Now the, the stuff is too low, so we had to go get other dirt and put other dirt back into that spot and get it all in there. And at this point, I am so wore out and so sore from doing all this, I can barely stand up. My back is, is, is aching. You're leaning over and doing another pickaxe. There's nothing else you can use. You can't use a shovel. And I said, but I'm going to get this done today. I am going to get this done today. If I don't get seed in the ground, I will be a failure. <laughs> And so we had the the rotor tiller, but we couldn't get the rotor tiller to start. And so now we're working on that for a, a little while, getting the rotor tiller to start. We finally got the rotor tiller just to start enough, just to get some of it done. And so that was that was put on. And I'm looking at that, said so I would like nothing more than to stop. But I said no, we have to get the, the grass seed in. So we went on out there and we took the grass seed and we threw it on out there on the on the top. And I know this isn't going to work. <laughs> I know it. And so. I, I got, went in and got a rake, and I took the rake, and I began to rake the seed into the soil so it's down in there. And then I took some of that burlap stuff. I had one of those rolled burlap rolls, and I just rolled it right over top. And I said, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> I didn't water it. I, there was nothing left in me to go out there and get the hose and drag it on out to where this thing was. It was I was done. I had gone way past the, the point and, uh, of what I should do. And so we got on out there, and I just left it there. And the next day I didn't water it, and the next day I didn't water it, and the next day I didn't water it, and the next day I didn't water it. And after a week, I go out there and I, I look and there's grass seed all over there. There's grass coming up all over the place. It's just, it, it just can't contain itself. It's just, uh, it had so much loose soil. You know, we got it all the way down inside there and there's probably a rain that happened in there somewhere. And so that, it got to be so tall, I took the burlap up. And so I thought, all right, now I'll water it. <laughs> so I watered it. And that's. That stuff is out there. It's green. It is thick. It is good, looking good. It makes all the rest of the soil a bed. <laughs> that one's doing well. But anyway, there are some things you can just go out there and just walk in there and just throw it, and it'll grow. But grass seed is not one of them, and that's what we plant most of the time. So just understand that in this in this setting, when they would go out there, they would throw this out there. They didn't uh, rototill it in. They didn't take a hoe and and hoe all that stuff in. They just sowed it. And they just would put it out there. But they had intention. This is the purpose. They picked the seed they wanted. They picked the soil, the area that was going to receive it. They had the intention. But I want you to notice that one thing that is not mentioned here in this passage. This is very important. This is not mentioned anywhere in here. You can look at any of the versions. You will not find it. There is not a single reference that anyone was called. None of them were called to be a sower. They became a sower because they had seed, soil, and intention. You do not need a special calling from God to be a sower. All you need is seed, soil, and intention. And you can be a sower. You don't sow by accident. You don't just get out there And just say, well, I just did some things. Uh, Maybe some seed got sown. No, it's intentional. You have intention with it. In order for you to be a sower, there needs to be hearing. You can't just get out there and declare something, well, I sowed. You ever see those people in the boardwalk? You know who I'm talking about? They stand up there with the signs. You know, repent, you're going to hell. (laughs) You ever seen those people up there in the boardwalk? And they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're doing the, you know, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm sowing some seed. No, you're not, because no one's listening to you. I'm a born again believer. I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> there needs to be hearing. Put that in your outline. In order for there to be sowing, there must be hearing. There must be hearing. Now, when he says this here in the, in the, in the, Uh, parable here he talks about them hearing there is hearing involved in this sowing if you want to see yourself as a sower then the people you are sowing to need to hear there needs to be hearing when Jesus was doing this telling this parable he got into a boat he got off the shore just a little bit and the people were on the shore they were listening he was speaking they were hearing there needs to be hearing they need to be paying attention to you in Matthew seven twenty four we're going to take a look at this this word Akuo Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore whoever hears there's that word, these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. Whoever hears, whoever hears, there needs to be that attention. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So what you have is one group who hear and they did it and one group who heard and they didn't do it the one who had results are the one who heard it and did it that's very much in line with the parable in Luke 11:28 and he said more than that blessed are those who hear the word of god and keep it in John 8:43 why do you not understand my speech because you are not able to listen or there's our word for hear, You're not able to listen to my word. Just because they say that they want to know does not mean that they are willing to hear. There are many people who hear things, but are not willing to hear it. You know, whatever the hot topic is, right now we got, you know, vaccines and court cases and viruses. That's all the hot topic. And and there are some people, as soon as you begin to talk about one thing and this, they shut you down. I don't want to hear it. It doesn't matter which way you might be on one side, might be on the other, but you always find people who say, Nope, I don't want to hear it. And they shut you down. You have to be willing to hear. But then once you hear, you need to be be out there and, and doing it. Now sometimes I'm a hearer of God's word. And I'm not doing it. But I think I am. Or I think I'm in the category of a hearer. I could hear God's word. And his warning on pridefulness. How many of you know that the word of God has said, don't be prideful. Stay away from pride. And I heard it. How many of you have heard that? We've heard it. But then when given an opportunity, I can act in pride. I didn't do it. The word of God tells us, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. The word of God tells us to, to think highly of others. But then when I'm given an opportunity and someone acts stupidly, someone acts foolishly, or someone acts in a way that I think is less than what they should do, I think less of them. Why? Well, because, and we get the reason, but you see, I heard the word, but I found an opportunity not to do it. That's just a couple of the other things. The word of God says that you should submit. How many know the word of God says Submit. Word of God doesn't just say to submit to God. The Word of God gives us other things to submit to. And I'm willing to do that until I don't agree. Right? I'm willing to submit to anyone I agree with. But as soon as I disagree with them, it's off. You know, God told me. <laughs> and submission is, is out the window. You see, when I walk this way, I am not a hearer the way I need to be. I'm not practicing hearing. I'm practicing something else. Now, this parable describes four groups of people who hear. Four groups of people who hear. All four groups are hearing the word. All four. Verse 18, it even says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He's using that same word here. So let's pick up here at verse 10. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. So there are some people who stayed after class. You ever been in, in class, college, high school, and, you know, certain students would stay after class, and, you know, they're just trying to get in good with the teacher, and they would ask questions, and they would do things, you know, and, and whatever. Well, that's what, that's what we got here. Now, the disciples, they're supposed to be there, but then other people, they stayed around too. And they're probably, I'm not saying that they had any bad intent, but they, they wanted to know more. And so they're asking him, uh, all right, we're, we're not quite getting this. What do you mean by, by this? But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. This includes more than just the twelve. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now, we become responsible for what we see and understand. We are also, you can also make a case for this in the Word of God, that we are responsible for the things that we should have seen and understood. We just didn't pursue it. Just because you decide to be ignorant doesn't mean that you will be guilt-free. And God says, I sent somebody to teach you. You didn't learn it. Uh-huh. Well, they, they just didn't want to hear but seeing they may see, and not perceive, and hearing they may hear, and not understand, lest they should turn. Well, they've made their hearts hard. They don't want to receive these things. We, you know, whatever the hot topic is of the, of the day, you know there's people out there, you start talking about something, and uh, they're going to reject it, they got the New York Times on it. And you could uh, shoot holes in the New York Times, or the, whatever it is that they're listening to. Now, is the word of God open to all or just some? The word of God's open to all, but only those people who will hear it will receive more. Because you, you're, you're rejecting it. Don't be one who rejects the things of the word. I may not understand it. I love it when people say, all right, well, I'm not walking in that yet. I don't quite understand it, but I want to know. Well, that's good. You're staying open. That's, that's the way you want to do it. You want to stay open, you want to pursue it, and you want to get the understanding of it. But we're going to see something very interesting. I found something in this verse I couldn't find anywhere. No one picked it up. I couldn't figure this out. No one picked this up. There's a very glaring difference in this next verse, and I couldn't find anyone who picked it up. I couldn't find Weist. He didn't pick it up. Williams didn't pick it up in his translation. I mean, I went through all the big ones. Nobody picked this up, and I'm trying to figure out, why are you not saying something about this? Because there's a big, there's a difference in this verse. And it's, it's got to be saying something. So I did all the research I could on both of these Greek words to figure it out. And I think I've got the, about the best translation. What really shocked me was I couldn't even find Rick Renner mentioning this. <laughs> I've got the right, to, have to write something. he'll have the right, he'll come up with something far more <laughs> in depth, I'm sure, than I I haven't, maybe it's out there and I just haven't heard it. Because I can't imagine that he would not have picked this up. But here in verse 13, I'll, I'll throw out Brother Hagin's line to you. If, you. if you can, write this in your Bible. If not, throw it out, get one you can write in. <laughs> he used to always tell us that when we were in school. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, that word for understand is the same in the, in the English. That word for understand is the same in every single translation I've checked out. Sometimes they change it from understand to something else. But in the Greek, it is not so. In the Greek, there are two different words that are used. What he says here, I apologize, I had to drop this out of your outline, so um, if you're interested in it, I can always send it over to you. But the first understand that we have here is from the Greek word horao. It means to discern clearly physically or mentally, to attend to, to behold, perceive, or to take heed. It's used when, this is one of the many times it's used, but just to give you a picture of this, you remember the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus said, how much food do you have? Go see. There's that word. What he was asking to do is to go out there, and I want you to physically take inventory with your eyes and see what we Have. That's this word. It's used here in understand. The idea of this word, and I'll read the the definition for you again, to discern clearly. No no fogginess there. To discern clearly. To attend to, to behold, to perceive, to see, or to take heed. Now, before we get into that, let let me read the second one here for you. See the contrast between these. The second one is "gnosko." We've talked about that one a, a bit. It's to um, be aware, to be aware of something, to feel or to have knowledge of, perceive, to be resolved, to be sure of, or to understand. Now, in some of the some of the uh, volumes that I have, that it got into these these two words, and it said something very interesting about the New Testament. It said, by the time the New Testament came along, these two words had a lot of overlap. And you would use them almost interchangeably. They had very similar. But here's the problem with this particular passage. If the words have a lot of overlap, and we have English words that have overlap too. You can use this word or that word. But he, in the same train of thought, back-to-back sentences here, he is using these two words, which means he's trying to get something across that's different. And so here's what he is saying. As I, this is the Steve Heck translation. If somebody else comes out who's more skilled at this than I am, that's fine. But I put it in a, uh, in a way such a, like this. Do you not see the meaning of this parable? How will you come to understand any of the parables to come? If you cannot see, if me declaring this to you, you cannot see, you cannot perceive, how will you come to an understanding of the ones that are to come? He wanted them to get this understanding. He needed them to get this understanding. If we don't get that understanding, we, we won't operate in it. Because how can you operate in what you don't understand? How many of you have some things around your house that uh, you just don't understand? Them? I just don't understand that. I mean, I, it does some some good things. My my wife and I we got a uh, we got a new kitchen gadget because we had one of the original uh, what is it the, the uh, George Foreman grills? We had one of the original ones, and I don't know how old that makes it, but it's old. I mean, the coating is coming off of it, and she just she was telling me she said it just don't work real well anymore, and so. Uh, I found one out there, you know, the new and improved. It's not George Foreman; it's something else, but it's a new, improved one. And so we, I got it for Christmas, brought it home, and say, "This is, this is for us." And so we tried it out last night. Last night was the first night we got to try it out. And so you know, we we put the temperature probe in there, and we set up to to cook some some nice meat. And um, of course, meat. We didn't use the, We didn't waste the thing on vegetables. I mean, what are you talking about? Waste a nice little grill on vegetables? It does say that it will cook them. I don't ever expect to find out how well it does. So don't ever ask me, hey, how did I do vegetables? I don't know. Use a grill for meat. So we put some meat in there, and I thought it would be a real nice, I mean, it was easy. You know, you stick the probe in there, you, you put it down, and the thing beeps to you. My wife was laughing at it It says, uh, get food. <laughs> so so we, we ate the thing. But, you know, in order to get it going, I had to understand it. And so I had to pull out the book and I had to read about how to do it so that I could make sure that... Because without understanding, you're not gonna, it's not going to work right. You've got to understand it. If you don't understand the things that are taught in the Word, you won't put them to work right, but you're going to expect the harvest. You're going to expect results and you're not going to get it. You'll get discouraged and the devil loves this area because you will let go of what you've been taught because you're frustrated and it's not working. Many times Christians have heard someone teach a principle from the Word, but didn't understand it, tried to put it to work, it failed, and they say, well, this thing just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So he says here in verse 14, the sower sows the Word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown, where they hear... Or when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. How many times have you ever heard this said, and I've sometimes cautioned myself from doing this, but Jesus is doing it, so I guess I can. (laughs) Have you ever heard people say, well, Satan is coming against me for this? Or Satan is is doing this to me, or the devil is doing this. Have you ever said that about yourself, or about other people, or heard people say it about it? Well, first off, Satan is not, I'm the present. And um, I'm I'm generally t- too much of a peon for him to even mess with. <laughs> He's going to go out there after the big guys. <laughs> He's not messing with me. He's got other people. You know, or you can take care of Steve. You get in there. <laughs> but Jesus said Satan, but it, it's his kingdom. But understand, it's not specifically Satan. Satan can't not be everywhere in this world messing with everybody. He's got people for that. That's so why he puts his people to work. But Jesus summarized it this way so we understand what he's saying. This is not Satan in particular, it is his kingdom. The sower sows the word, and there are the ones, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So the first group, they're on the wayside. Here's the soil. The soil is in this area right down here. And as you're throwing it, it gets into the area that's off. It's going to be trampled on, it's going to it can't really get, get down in there into the soil. It's going to be on the wayside. But apparently he's got enough seed. He's not too concerned about that. He's not going over there and just trying to put it right on the edge. No, he's just throwing it, and some of it may go on the wayside. That's how it's going to be. These are the ones by the wayside. So the first group, these are the ones by the wayside, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, when he gave the parable, what came and took it? The birds. If you've been around here a long time, you know birds are bad. Birds are are always bad. Whenever Jesus uses birds, they are bad. (laughs) He doesn't mix metaphors. If something is good, it is always good. If something is bad, it is always bad. If you want to do some reading ahead, you can go up to the parable of the mustard seed. Everybody thinks that's such a nice parable, isn't it? Oh, a nice parable nice old mustard tree and the birds come and they make their nest in the branches. Oh, this is just such a pretty picture. It is not a pretty picture. Because a mustard seed is a bush, it's not a tree. So what he's saying is that the seed became something against its nature. There are no mustard trees. They're mustard bushes. But Jesus specifically said it became a tree. It became the tallest tree in the garden. That is not what a mustard tree or mustard seed is supposed to do. He said, the birds came and made their nest in the branches. Birds are bad. bad. (laughs) So what he is saying is, and and here, as he's interpreting it, Satan is related to the birds. What he is telling you is the church will become something it was never intended to be, and Satan himself will make his nest in it. That's not a nice, pretty picture. That is a bad picture. He predicted the dark ages Mm -hmm. before they ever came. When the church was just after power and the church was killing people and persecuting people, he predicted it. He said no, Satan is going to make its home in this church. Mm -hmm. Now all through that, there was still the light. Mm -hmm. There were still people in the light. I I love church history that showed me where the light was because that darkness was dark. So when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. He steals it. Why does he steal it? Because they don't understand it. If they understood it, they could keep it. But they don't understand it. It's their lack of understanding that keeps them from holding on to it. It's just like this. If you had a kitchen gadget and you didn't understand it and a couple of times you tried to use it, it didn't work. What would you do with that kitchen gadget? And be out the window. I mean, you don't have that much room in your kitchen, right? You want stuff that works. You want things that work in the kitchen. And so you need things that are, that are going to be helpful. It doesn't matter how high-tech they are as long as they work, as long as they do what they want to do, then you will give it space. When I was growing up, we had the most unusual kitchen gadget. People would come over and they'd see this kitchen gadget and they'd say, what is that? But it was so useful. It was actually on a little table. We had, a, you remember back in the days when you actually had phones on the wall with a cord. Yep. We had a phone on the wall with a cord. We had an extra long cord, though. It's pretty close to being wireless. I mean, we could walk about thirty feet away from that phone. I think it might even longer than that. We we patched a couple of them things together, and you could go. But you had to still say tie, tie to it. And right underneath that, there was this uh, little uh, Formica covered uh, table. And my mom, she, she put this little contraption on. You can ask her about it. She'll tell you about it. She remembers. And she, we had this little contraption, and we put it on there, this most unusual looking thing. And what it was was an apple peeler. And you'd take an apple, and you'd stick it on the three prongs that would be out there, just stick it right on there, and then you just crank the handle. And the, the, the blade would come onto the apple, and just peel it all out. Well. Oh, man, you'd peel an apple in, uh, what, 30 seconds? I mean, it was fast. You just stuck that thing on. That'd be great for Chenzo, because Chenzo won't eat apples with skin on them. You have to get one of the, them suckers. But uh, I, there's probably other things you could do on it, too. But uh, we apparently found enough use for it that it had a prominent place in the kitchen. But uh, I'm sure nobody out here is going to go out there and find an apple peeler like that. And <laughs> You got one? All right, there we go. If something is useful, it gets prominence in your life. But you have to understand how to use it. If you understand how to use it, it can have a prominence. If you do not understand how to use it, you'll just look at that and say, I don't know why people have that. Why do people want that in their house? Why do people need that? Because we don't know. But once you get the understanding of it, and that's what happened here, they lacked understanding. The disciples fit very much into this group. They lacked understanding of the meaning of the parable. And so its meaning was going to be lost to them. It was going to go. Because if you don't have the understanding, you won't hang on to it. Not only do you have to understand it, you have to do it. You may understand how that apple peeler works, but if you don't use it, it's gone. There's no reason for it being in our kitchen. Now, Luke adds in uh, chapter 8, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. In case anybody's wondering, here it says the sower sows the word. Luke says the seed is the word of God. So this first group, they had the word stolen. They had it. It was in their possession, but it was stolen. They didn't hang on to it real tight. It just, it's gone. Satan came in immediately and he took it away. Now, Satan will come immediately and try and steal the word from anyone who receives it. But if you have an understanding of it, he won't be able to steal it from you. If you understand it. I was listening to somebody preaching the other day. I only got about halfway through. I had to turn it off because he was not explaining the principles. He was declaring them. And it just frustrated me. I understood what he was teaching on it, but it just frustrated me. You can't just declare this stuff. You need to teach it. You need to explain it. Don't just demand that people, now understand this. It doesn't happen that way. And Jesus was taking time here to, to teach them. So, this first group had the word stolen. Luke 8 and verse 12 puts it Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe. You see, the belief hadn't happened yet. It was there, it was theirs, but it's the understanding that moves them into the realm of belief. If you do not understand a thing, you may act on it. What you do may look like faith, but there's no faith because there's no belief. You cannot have belief. Without understanding. I can trust something. Well, I trust that that's of God. I trust that that's what God intended. I trust, you can trust, but I don't know because I don't have the understanding. Once I gain the understanding, then the the game changes. Now, can the enemy steal any word he wants? No. He can only steal the word that you don't understand. And I would tack this on it, too, from our look at Matthew, any word you don't do. So if you don't understand it and don't do it, you could lose it. So what gave the opportunity? A lack of understanding. We already told you that, but I want to make sure you got it in your outline for you. We do these outlines for a purpose, because I want you to be able to go home, study them, and get the understanding of it. And not get lost on it. If we allow this to continue, the enemy will seize the opportunity to take what was given to us. But don't let, it, don't let that go. Verse 16. Going on to the next group. These, likewise, are the ones sown on the stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. There's a stony ground, there's the wayside, there's a stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So the second group, the sun came out in the parable and scorched it. When it was first sown, it hit enough soil, it wasn't by the wayside, it hit enough soil that it sprang up. And it came up, but it wasn't able to get the, the roots down deep so that when the sun came out, the sun wouldn't scorch it. You've seen that happen. you grass seed if you plant it, and it's not uh, real, real big yet. That means the roots aren't too far down. And you know you have to keep watering it because the sun will scorch it, make it so that it doesn't, doesn't grow anymore. So it, they meet, at first, they're glad. This is people, they go to a meeting, they go to church, wherever it is that they heard the word, they heard the word, oh, this is so exciting, oh, I like this, oh, I'm going to have this work in my life. And they go on out there, and they don't put as much attention to it as they should, and the roots don't get all the way down on the inside of them. But they're still doing it. But then, persecution comes. Now, we're going to define what persecution is here in just a little bit, because I want you to understand it. <laughs> Don't just think, well, persecution comes. What in the world is that? I don't know. But whatever it comes, I'll probably figure it out. No, well, I want you to understand how this happens. People got real excited in church because they heard something taught. But they never let it establish a root in them. And so as soon as the persecution comes, it dies. They have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the words sake when you get the word in you that word will bring persecution now we think persecution I think people want to beat me up I think people that want to uh, make what I'm doing illegal persecuted that way but that's not the only way that this would happen Luke 8 puts it this way who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away they believe for a while In order for there to be belief, what must there be? Understanding. So there is some understanding to generate some belief, but it's only enough for a time. And in time of temptation, they fall away. So how does this come about? What is the temptation that comes upon them? So when you are believing for a thing, how many believe in God for something? And I'm sure everybody here can read. You believe God for a healing. You believe God for something financial. You believe God for a new job. You believe God for a new car. You believe God for something you needed in your life that you did not have. And you ask God for it. You ask God for wisdom. You believe in God for wisdom. Something is going on. Well, there's going to be something that comes along in your life to get you to stop believing and to doubt God's promises. That's, what, that's what's trying to happen. Something wants to come into your life to get you to stop believing and to doubt God's promises. Promises. So if you're believing God for a healing and then all of a sudden you get a pain. Oh, uh, I thought I was healed. you believe in God for uh, healing from a sickness and all of a sudden you feel ill oh, why am I feeling this way? And you see, that's the temptation. That's the persecution. Because when you made a stand on this thing, ah, there he is. He's believing. She's believing. Let's get it. And so things are thrown out your way. And you may get a little bit of a pain and the words come into your head. Thought you were healed. (laughs) I guess you're not. And if I embrace them, I thought I was too. You see what happened? I stopped believing. And I started doubting. Because I didn't let that thing get down on the inside of me. And what was given to me is now stolen. It's gone. That's not how God wants it. What you should do, you are believing God for healing. I've told you about some of the things I believe God for healing for and things that I have battled through. It doesn't mean that every day is is perfect. It means some days I I get out there and do the thing. Oh, man, that hurts. Oh, oh, I'm feeling that. So what do I say? I am healed in Jesus' name. And I just go on and do the thing that I'm doing. And sure enough, it goes away. If you're going to lay in bed and be sick, you're probably going to feel sicker. Sometimes you just need to get yourself up. Body, (laughs) this is what we're doing. I am healed. And you get up and get moving. You may be believing God for a job, a raise, an advancement. And then you hear some bad economic news. That's persecution. That's something that's coming along to persecute the word that's in you. It doesn't mean it has to challenge your faith. It's challenging that word that you got. It's challenging the word that was sown in you. Can God really bless you now? Look at what's happening. People are losing their job all over. You ought to be just glad you haven't lost your job. We may be believing God for people to be saved. Father God, I'm believing that I'm going to get, get to share Jesus with some people this week. And then you get out there and you share Jesus with somebody. And they, they persecute. They, they say, I don't, I don't want to hear that stuff. And you go away discouraged. God, I was believing you for, for souls. I guess it's not going to work. No, you hang on to it. You take what God said and you stay with it. I remember uh, Brother Keith Moore said one time, if you're going to believe big, God told us to down in the spirit, not, no visitation, I don't understand that. God told him in the spirit for something he was believing for. He was believing for something big. He said, Keith, if you're going to believe me for something big, You better be prepared to believe long. (laughs) Doesn't mean that you have to. God's not saying that you have to believe long. But sometimes there's there's a battle that's involved. Verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. This is really the group I wanted us to get to today. These are the ones that are sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So these folks, they got past the first stage. They had understanding. They got past the second stage. They allowed this thing to take root. This was something they, they got past the initial persecution and they held on to what they were believing. So here's the third tactic the enemy will use to get you off the word. If he can't keep you from understanding, if he can't have the persecution that comes to get you to doubt, then he goes into this one. These are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, enter in, choke the word, and it becomes. You see that word becomes? That means it was fruitful. It was fruitful producing fruit. It becomes unfruitful. Now it may be that it did not quite become fruitful to the point of getting the finished crop, but if it was wheat, there were some there was some wheat growing in there. Not maybe not quite ready for the harvest, but it's just about but just about that time. But see the cares of this world, is the deceitfulness of riches. It says for this third one that it was choked. Well, we can't steal it. We can't get it to succumb to temptation. So if the word is going to grow in us, the best, the best attack the enemy has left is to get you to divide your attention so its production is lessened or eliminated. Alright, they're still focusing on the Word. They're still believing this thing. So what we've got to do is we've got to put other things in their life. We've got to get them to pursue some other things and not pursue the Word that they've been doing as much. So the enemy uses the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. Luke 8, verse 14 adds the pleasures of life. Nothing necessarily bad, just the pleasures of life. Just things that, that we think, well, I think I uh, don't have that. I think I, I want that. And so we begin to pursue other things that are apart from what God told me to do. And my attention becomes, this, becomes split. I got some attention over here, some attention over here. Oh, yeah, I got to go back over here and get some attention to the Word. But you see, now I'm, I'm, I'm out focusing on these other things. And so it's not getting quite the attention that it was. And it is choked out. Now, we, we put a, a quote in their bulletin, and the way it printed, apparently it didn't uh, print out all that well. So I asked Daryl to type it out and to put it up on the screen in case, because this, this came from Brother Jesse. And this was one of those things, this was an intentional quote from Brother Jesse. And one of the things I was listening to, weeds fill and choke the ground where flowers of heaven were meant to bloom. Weeds fill and choke the ground where flowers of heaven were meant to bloom. You see, God has intended certain things to bloom in our life, and the enemy doesn't want that to happen, so he puts other things in there. And he tries to fill it in with weeds. And no, we can't be having that going on. Darren and I were talking in the back over there, and he brought up a, a good point. He was uh, asking about the, the weeks before and the tares. Remember the parable of the tares? Yeah, the tares are kind of like the fakers and the imposters. And the actors, they're trying to pretend to be something that they are not. They're trying to pretend to be wheat. But weeds, they don't try to pretend to be anything else. They're a weed. They're a weed. If you have ever grown a garden, you know that weeds will come. And it is a continual effort on your part to keep the weeds out. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Those weeds will keep coming up. They keep going. We ought to become like corn, though. Ever see you go by here, you get in Pennsylvania, you can't hardly help driving by a corn, corn patch. And uh, one thing you will never see them doing in a corn patch is hoeing. They don't mess with weeds in a corn patch. They don't care about weeds in a corn patch because the corn will uh, produce it. The corn will grow taller than the weeds, and the weeds can't grow. The corn will choke the weeds because weeds don't get as tall as corn and they just tower up there, but they're all growing at the same rate so they don't outcompete each other. I don't know if you knew this about corn, but if you uh, were going to grow corn in your backyard, you cannot grow corn one or two stalks. If you do, you're wasting your time. You cannot grow and have any corn if you have one or two stalks out there. You need rows because the corn pollinates crossways and that's how you get corn. You'll have empty empty stalks if you don't. So that's why they have these huge fields. So that they can so they get plenty of the pollination that they need and lots grows grows up. But you never have any problem with weeds with corn. We ought to become corn. <laughs> Forget wheat, become corn, man. We weed has a, a tough time with some some stuff. Corn, nope. I don't know of any weed out there that cannot produce a corn. You just get that corn in there, and that stuff will just shoot up, and the weeds will say, hey, wait for us. Uh-uh. <laughs> it just keeps on going, and then pretty soon the weeds are all dead. We ought to be that way. But you see, the devil is trying to get weeds into your life. Weeds into your life. I remember one, uh, one minister used to be able to listen to a whole lot. He did a, he did a great thing on on this. Is uh, You ever see people who all of a sudden came into a bunch of money? And he said, uh, "You know, they up until they got all that money, they used to be in church every Sunday, front row, front row Christians every Sunday. And then they got all the money, and uh, then they started to move to the middle rows. <laughs> and instead of every week, they're once or twice a month. And then they began to be in the back row. Not that the back row people are bad. <laughs> Not looking at you, Miss Ethel." <laughs> No, we hardly have a back row here. But in some churches, they have back rows. <laughs> you can kind of slip in the back and, and get them back there. And so uh, they would come on in, you know, and, but their attendance would be less. Once every six months. Pretty soon sure not coming at all. What happened? Well, see, they got that money, and that money ruined them. And his, his take on it was different. He said that money didn't ruin them. That money watered a seed that was already there. Watered a weed seed. See, up until then, that was always there, but it never had any water. Then the money came in, and it watered it. See, money doesn't have to ruin you. And just because you don't have money doesn't mean you don't love it. There's lots of people who love money, just don't have it. There's other people who have money, but don't love it. All God's warned you about is don't have the love of money. You're going have money, just don't have the love of it. Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. These are the good ground. The weeds didn't come in and outcompete it, and they were bearing fruit. Some got thirtyfold return. Some got a sixtyfold return. Some got a hundredfold return on that seed that was sown. See, the one before, they were moving towards being fruitful, but then they got distracted. See, some people who have come into your life, you've got some people that could be support and they got distracted. Sometimes you need to help step in and let them know you're getting distracted. You're getting some things off. You're focusing on some of the wrong areas. So the fourth group is fruitful. They understand the word so it's not stolen. They resist temptation so it's not starved. They avoid Distractions, so it 's not choked, they maintain their focus on the word, and they become fruitful. Now, the amount of fruit differs. Why do you think that might be? Why do some only produce thirty fold and some produce a hundred? It might be the amount of focus that they give to it. it might be that some gave it a, a good bit of focus, but not as much as the one who had sixty and then the one who had a hundred they just they really focused on it they really kept getting there watering that thing, going after that. Now, hearing and understanding must go together. If you heard the word, you have got to press in until you understand it. Don't let it go until you understand it. Stay with it. I've told you the story. There's there's some ministers i listened to and I couldn't get it. I wasn't getting it. But I wanted to. And so uh, this is back in the days. How many remember the cassette days? Cassette days. It's a whole lot easier now to do, to do this, but back in cassette day, you know, you just put the cassette player on. But I, I'm having a hard time getting it. So I just wrote it down, verb word for word, just by hand, just stop the tape, play the tape, stop the tape, play the tape, and wrote the thing down, and then just would look at it. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get it. I stayed with it until I got it. Because I'm going to understand this. You've got to be that dedicated sometimes. What do I have to do to make sure that I get this? Hearing and understanding must go together. It's not a good option to just hear. Some people, they just want to get in all the meetings they can and hear all the Word they can, but if they don't have any understanding, it's not going to do them any good. Now, once you get to hearing and understanding, you've got to add this resisting the temptation and focus to have the Word in us result in fruitlessness. You don't want that word to, to not have a result in fruit. You want there to be fruit. So I ask, ask yourself this question. Have I missed it in one of these areas? Are there some truths in my life that I have not gained the understanding but I tried to walk out of it? Are there areas in my life where I haven't let this thing take root? Are there areas in my life where I'm allowing distractions to come in? What soil would you be compared to Now, it can be different. You might be one kind of soil when it comes to hearing about salvation and another kind of soil when you hear about healing or the gifts of the Spirit. It may change. But our goal has to be one who hears and understands on all topics of the Word. If there's a certain topic, well, I just don't get that. Then you need to focus on it. You need to get it. Now, how can we be certain we know or understand the truth? How can I be certain that I know and understand the truth? Well, first off, if you live it correctly, uncompromised or unaltered to make what we are doing seem right. Sometimes people alter what they're doing or alter the word. Well, I know the word said this, but I think it means more like this so that what they're doing can be okay. That way I can say I'm doing the word even though I'm not doing what he said, but I tell people why. Well, that's what he said before, but you know, times have changed. Things are different now. Whatever the reason might be. Uh, no, our God is still the same. Now, part of the, the purpose here of church and me as your pastor, first off, this one's pretty easy. If you want to write it down, you can. But one of the purposes of church and specifically me as a pastor, is to grow and edify. That's my goal. Every week to give you things that will help you grow and give you things that will help edify you and build you up. But that's not all. There's also areas of prepare and strengthen. We have to prepare and strengthen you. We have to continually get the word in you so that when persecutions come upon you, you're ready for them. Not every, not everybody pastors a church like that. There are some people, they pastor a church, and they subscribe to a service that sends them 52 sermons for the year. I know, I get the advertisements for them. There you go. Outlined, researched, stories, the whole thing, right there. All you got to do is open it up. Some I've heard some pastors, they would open it up Sunday morning, read it over, alright, that's good. <laughs> Just to go in there and teach the thing. So you see you're not preparing. Part of the, the thing that you have to do as a pastor is you've got to listen to the Spirit, and the Spirit of God says, here's what's going on. Here's what's coming. And so very often we're teaching you about things before they hit so that you are prepared, and when that comes, you are ready to make a stand and not to give in to the persecution. Prepare and strengthen. Sometimes this gets you to say things that people don't like. It happens often. I don't want to hear that. I'm not here to make, to say things that make you happy. I'm here to say things that God says you need to get prepared. Third area is to expose threats and deceptions. If I had my way, I wouldn't spend any time on any deception that's out there at all. i just stay with the good stuff. <laughs> but I have, to, I have to listen to some of the things that are going on that the world is trying to do so that I know how to arm you against it. And so I come on in and we say, oh, this, is what, this is what's going on. And it's not all secular stuff. Sometimes it's spiritual stuff. There's times God has, has said, Steve, get them ready because this is coming. And so we taught you some things six months, eight months, ten months ahead of time. And by the time it came here, most of you didn't even feel a ripple. I saw it. I saw it going on out there, but most of the folks here didn't, didn't even see a ripple, because as soon as it came, it fell off. Because you were already armed. Oh, I already know that's not right, and you didn't think much of it, and that's all right. That's that's good. It just it just kind of went away. That's that's part of the role that you need to to do, to, do, to prepare, strengthen, to expose threats and deceptions. Sometimes I expose some threats. Some of them are political, some of them are health, some of them, I could tell you a whole lot more than I do, because I know a whole lot more threats that are out there, and I've researched them, and I learn them, and I listen to God. God, which ones we have to get into? And sometimes God says, get into this one. Oh, that's not the one I wanted to get into. <laughs> I did not want to get into that one. All right, well, <laughs> and you go ahead and you do it, and sometimes you get people mad, and sometimes you get people mad for just a time, and they come on back up to you and say, oh, no, I, I see that now. That was good. See, the whole purpose is that you may be a light in darkness. That's the purpose. There is darkness all around us, but you are designed as light. No darkness can stop the light. Can't do it. Light cuts right through darkness. So our goal is to always put a whole lot of light in you so that when you go out, that darkness does not overshadow you. Here are some things I want us to be focusing on this year. To continue to be prepared and ready for the things that would steal, starve, or choke the word in us. I want us to continue to be prepared. I want you to be mindful of this. This is the first parable. This, this actually has a little higher rating as far as Jesus is concerned than most of the other ones. The world will try and steal, starve, choke. The enemy is trying to steal, starve, and choke. Continue to be prepared. When you hear something in the Word, it might be new. You don't have the understanding. Stay on it. Focus on it. Get the understanding to know how that thing is going to go, how that thing is going to uh, go about. You know, we, we look at all this stuff with the, the uh, virus that had gone around. And um, uh, I told you my background is on this stuff. So there's actually an interest in me in these things. And so I've studied this thing. I know more about how this thing works than I've ever told you. Because I try and keep it to the, to the areas we need to need to stay in, but I know how the disease works. I know what it does. I know the t- the type of things that you can do to prevent it better. Um, I have that understanding. I'm trying to communicate to you the understanding that I think that we we need on this. But um, you'll notice that all through these years that we've had to had to face this, I have not moved. I have not changed my view on this thing. I have never called it harmless, and I've never called it a threat, a huge threat. I know that people have died from it, that we know, and I've told you some people that I know that have died from it. At least they say that they did. It doesn't make me afraid of it. I don't go out there and be afraid. You know, John's here today. He'll vouch for it. We're, we're out there running. You're even talking to each other. I guess what we're doing right now is illegal. And <laughs> our words for each other, well, they had to catch us. <laughs> They'd have to catch us. And we didn't. Uh, we aren't messing with it. He called me up. I told you the story, but I'll tell you in front of him. He'll, he'll, he called me up one day, and he said, "My wife, is, my wife is making me do this." I'm, I know this doesn't matter to you. My wife is making me do this. I was exposed to somebody who had COVID. I said, "So." I said, "Why?" Well, just in case you didn't want to run with me. No, let's go. And we still went out there and we ran together and we ran together for the. He's he's in quarantine for the rest of his family. But he and I are running out there. <laughs> I don't get afraid of the thing because I understand it. See, I understand a whole lot more about it than, uh, than probably most people. And so when a lot of the things are being said, it, it, I, I under, the understanding keeps me from being moved into the area of fear. I, I never said nobody would die from this thing. I said it's not going to be like a, what they're saying. But you've got to get the understanding. If you get the understanding for how the thing in the Word of God works you won't let it go. If you get the understanding of what it can do in your life, you won't let it go. I'm not letting faith go. I don't care who it is that was believing God for something and died. I'm not letting it go because I understand. I may not understand what happened with them because there's something that happened. I understand that. Something went on. I don't know what it was, but I'm staying with what I understand. So, I want you to continue to be prepared and ready for the things that the world or the devil will try and steal, starve, or choke the word in you. I want you to be strong in in your beliefs and ready to give a defense of them while maintaining the atmosphere of God's love. Some people defend the word of God, but they are not loving. They're harsh, they're mean, and they're condemning. That is not the way that we ought to be doing it. I want you to be strong in your beliefs they're ready to give a defense for them. That's why we, we dive into the Word of God. We get into it deeper than, than some places do. there's other places that get into it just as much, just as deep. I thank God for them. The third is to become sowers, not just money, but with the Word of God in us. Sometimes we hear sower, and we always think, well, it means money. No, in this parable, sowing is involved with what? The Word. Sowing is the Word. You have got the Word in you. Be a sower of it. Every day, or at least every week, you ought to be saying, God, lead me to somebody that I can sow the word I have. I have got word in me. I'm looking for soil. I have intention. That's all you need to be a sower. Seed, soil, intention. You get those things, you can be a sower. Here's the last one. To constantly be looking for opportunities to sow the word and bring people to Jesus or help them know him better. I don't want you to just be focusing on people that need Jesus. It's a good group to be focusing on. They need Jesus. They don't have Jesus. But there's also people out there who know Jesus, aren't going to church, aren't growing, aren't doing something. And you need to help them. You need to get them, a, get them turned around in there. I've asked uh, Keith to get, get ready to hand you out something. We've had these cards made up before. I'm going to give each of you one today. One. The goal is that by next Sunday, it's gone. All right? We'll get some more made up, too. I'm trying to find our stack of them. We'll we'll find them out there. So uh, you don't have to raise your hand for this. You're all getting one. (laughs) It's just a, a church invitation card. Sometimes that'll help you spark up a conversation. But be looking for an opportunity. Can I pray with you on something? Let God begin to lead you. You need to look for opportunities to sow the word. A sower is intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. You don't just stumble into these things. The sower goes out with his bag of seed to a particular area of soil and he's ready to sow. Be intentional about this. And God will use you. I don't care what your age is. Young folks that are here too, you can be intentional. We want to see... uh, Other young people come on out to church. We want to see people with with kids come on out to church. We want to see people that are in their latter stages of life come out to church. We want to see people all in the middle come out to church. Get out there and, and look for the time that you can invite them. Become a sower. I want this to be in our mentality. I am a sower. That's my intention. I have seed and there is soil all around out here. going out there and be intentional. This year, I want us to see a big change in us that I look every day, at least every week, but get it to be moved to every day. Who can I share the word with that I have? You see, if you will be generous with the word that is in you and share it, God will be generous in how much more he pours out to you. Oh, you see that one over there? They are just pouring out to everybody they can. Give Give them more. Give them more. Give them more you're going to find some people, you're in the grocery store, and God will lead you to somebody. Or you just feel uh, uh, compelled, or you just do it. <laughs> oh, there's soil there. I got seed. That's going up there. Look for the opportunity. Just because you get people saved, you got to get them into a place where they get around people that help them. You folks are just such a great group of people to be with. You know, we close up church somewhere between 11.45 and 12. We, The server shuts down somewhere in there. Um, and then you all hang out here till 1.30, 2 o'clock. Just uh, fellowship in and enjoy each other. It's great. But there's other people who need that. Sometimes they're going into churches, and as soon as it's over, everybody leaves. And there's no fellowship. There's no interaction. When we get together as a church... We've got three main functions. There are other ones too, but three main functions. One, we worship God together. I can worship God by myself at home, but I can worship God together here with you all. Second, we get to, to hear the Word of God and grow in our understanding. And third, we help each other. We sharpen each other. We build each other up. We build up our relationships and get people that can be part of our support team. There's people that are out there in the world right now that could be a great help on your support team. You haven't met them yet. But if you don't go out there and, and reach them, you may never. But they're there. Would you all stand up with me? I'm not going to ask for any raises, raised hands here today. Because I only trust that every single one of you wants to be a sower. That you will have intention, you have seed, and there is soil. Father God, I thank you for each person that is here. That we can be sowers. I don't need a specific calling that I am called to be a sower. We are all called to be sowers. We all have that expectation that you want us to sow the seed that we have. This week, I pray for each person here that we look for opportunities. We are doing this intentionally. We are looking for opportunities to share your word, to speak encouragement to the people that are around us, to let the love of God pour out from us. We're not going to condemn. We're not here to judge. We're not here to accuse. We're here to minister the life of God's Word and let them see the love of Jesus as it flows through us. We will be lifted up, so will the people that we sow into. Well, once we do that, we've got to get them past that stage of not understanding. Get them past that stage where they could be scorched by tribulation and trials, persecutions that will come for the word. We've got to get them past the part of distractions that the enemy would throw out to them and pull their focus, take them into the place of being productive for the kingdom of God. I thank you for it. We're ready to be used by you. We will be more intentional than we have in the past. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. We have our communion elements to, to have to, to enjoy today when Jesus came to this earth he came with intention he came with purpose he came that he might save us redeem us that was his intention and it was all planned out from the beginning how it would happen and he sowed this into his disciples and those that followed him and once he was gone they sowed it into others and then those they sowed it into others and has continued to be sowed all through these years. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he had communion in two parts. The first part was the body, the bread. And before supper, he broke the bread. He said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. There is no blood involved in the first part. Our healing... A redemption from the curse has nothing to do with the blood. It has to do with his body. Because it says that in his body was put all of our sicknesses and diseases. He bore them so that we don't have to. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Because he knew we would forget. He knew that things would come up and then we get changed. People try and change the healing into the blood. But that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to remember what Jesus did. That's why he put this in two parts. Take your the bread that you have in your hand. Let's eat together and remember what Jesus did in his body for us. After supper, it says in the Gospels. It's a whole meal in between these two parts. After supper, he took the blood, the the wine glass. Said this represents the blood of the new covenant. Old covenant, blood couldn't wash away our sins. The new covenant it does. And as we remember this, don't forget. There's nothing we need to add. I don't have to add good works. But because I have been redeemed, I can produce good works. But I don't have to add them. I don't have to do anything for forgiveness of sins. I just receive them. I sin after I got born again. He says, confess your sins. He's faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't got to go sacrificing any goats, any bulls, or any lambs the blood of Jesus Christ is all we need. Let's drink today. Go over to God. Father, we thank you for the great gift of Jesus. Thank you for the power. The power of God that was on display to raise him up from the dead. He didn't stay dead. He died for us, but he didn't stay that way. And he led us into the very resurrection that he had. And we will follow I thank you for it. That's the hope of our future. We don't hope wishing that it would be. We hope knowing that it's coming. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have a good rest of the week. Wednesday night we are back in our Ephesians study. You can uh, come on out to church here on Wednesday or join us on Facebook or the YouTube station. And we uh, look forward to seeing you in one of those places. And then, of course, next Sunday we'll be back here. Have a great rest of your day.